0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we're bringing you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Kenneth. He is the VP of Marketing over at Text Request. Kenneth, thanks so much for, ha- for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And uh, I know we've been going back and forth, you know, on uh, emails and what you were able to do with text requests and really bootstrapping to a million dollars in ARR in a little bit under three years, I think you said. It's a pretty big accomplishment. That's super awesome. So congratulations on that. And um, yeah, let's 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 hear it from you. Um, let's do a quick intro and just let us you know how you got to so where you are.
1: Yeah, well, Luis, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. It was uh, about three and a half years is what it took us, um, just for people listening set expectations. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm VP of marketing here. I started about a month and a half after the company launched. Um, so it was not a founder, but I've been here pretty much since the beginning. And, uh, I got here kind of serendipitously. Um, yeah. a friend of mine was helping me start the company and I said, that sounds interesting. I'm looking for a change. Let me, let me join. Um, And so, in for text requests, we're a a business messaging platform. So basically we help companies or small businesses in particular, um, ignite customer engagement so that you can get responses. You can cut through the noise. You can, you know, and get all the positives that come from that. Online reviews, leads, sales, revenue, um, lower costs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the high level. And then, yeah, let me know, let me know where you want to go with this.
0: Sure. Let's, so first let's, let's hear a little bit more about, you know, background like where did so you 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 had a buddy who was helping the company out and you wanted to change what were you doing before text requires like how did you get you know all this marketing acumen in order to pull this off
1: uh well background has little to do with marketing i do have a psychology uh educational background mm-hmm. in the you know, ever since then, done a lot of reading, did a lot of experimental psychology, which is great. I love that. And really, yeah. marketing in a nutshell is if you understand people, you can understand marketing pretty well. Consumer psychology, exactly. Right? Um, and it's really just—I yeah, mean, marketing is just—it's understanding how people act and behave, how they think, and then for your own company, it's how do I communicate with those people based on how my target audience is acting and thinking and feeling. Um, how do I build relationships with them and bring them in educate them all of that and so if you understand people it's it becomes in my opinion much easier to do effective marketing um, but I, I didn't have any marketing background before I started here I was in financial planning for a fortune 100 company um, which is kind of a you know another guy in a cubicle um, it was a, it was a good role great company I still do some work with them today but I didn't want that for myself just wanted a, a change. Um my wife and I where we were living at the time, we also wanted to move back to Chattanooga, which is where we are now. And so the stars kind of align Just started a text request with my friend who was starting it. And uh, along the way, it's I mean, kind of typical for what you hear from a lot of bootstrap founders, particularly not founders, but bootstrap startup employees. Um, where you're you're learning on the fly, you know, or, or right. building while flying, <laughs> was, if you
0: will with, with startups are like, especially when you go in very, very early, like you're doing far more than I feel like you are probably capable at the beginning. And they throw you into, they, they throw you, you throw yourself into a bunch of different things. Right. So like there's always something new to be like tinkering with um, and it's learning, you know, whether it's how to set up some marketing automation thing or you're learning how to like, you know, how do I make this email sound a little better so that I can get a little more clicks on here and stuff like that. Um, so how did, you know, like, when did you really start to, to realize like, okay, now it's kind of growing, um, you know, like text requests is growing. We're getting clients, we're getting a lot of people on board, like traffic and stuff like that. When did you realize, okay, it's time to start like implementing some new stuff.
1: It's a good question. Cause we, it took us a little while to find traction so we started before we had product market fit and then we had to to find product market fit right um so the first six months or so we're kind of i mean looking back we kind of say those first six months were us in beta um we were we started as a customer service tool for hospitality mm-hmm. so hotels and restaurants are thinking you know text for room service text for a reservation or you know for an order or something uh in we did have several customers in that. We still have some in, in those veins. But uh, what we really found our niche was in home service businesses. So moving companies, um, HVAC companies, plumbing, people who were getting a lot of leads anyway, but most of those leads were coming in after hours. And then they needed some way to follow up with them during business mm-hmm. hours and actually get a response. So so we got traction You know, the, the first fall after we launched. And then from there, it was pretty much ongoing. Let's try anything. Um, so I wouldn't say there was a, a real point where we said, and we tried a bunch of stuff even before we found product market fit. So I wouldn't say there was a, a particular point where we said, okay, now let's try something new. It was, it was a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall um, and seeing what'll stick. And then you know, what we did and what I, I recommend to anyone is, whenever we tried something, we tried it for free or as cheaply as we possibly could, and if it worked a little bit. We said, okay, well, let's put a few dollars behind this and see if we can, we can grow that sum, and just, you know, keep that going. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't work at all, we said, okay, that's fine. We've got enough other things that have a little
0: traction. Let's focus on those instead. Right. So what were some of the things that started to work and you guys noticed it to the point where, okay, let's start, let's start putting a little bit more effort into this.
1: Yeah. So SEO is the big one or blogging. Um, It was, and it was kind of two parts. I mean, it all goes into search. People are looking for answers to their questions or they're looking for a product to help solve a problem. Um, but there's the one part of where there was enough search traffic when we started, there wasn't a ton. I mean, business text messaging was still a pretty new concept whenever we got going. Um, but people were searching enough. And then we did a lot of outbound outreach. So we did cold calling. We did cold email. We did you know, things like that. Cold email actually was a great tactic for us. That's worked you know, mm-hmm. since the beginning. Is, um, is that still
0: working today?
1: It is. How we do it is much different. And we've, we've been shifting steadily, thank God, uh, to a higher and higher percentage of inbound versus outbound. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, around 90% of our sales are from inbound. Which is great, um, but it's still effective. I mean, if you, if you know who you're, who you're reaching or who you need to talk to, position, right. company type, if you know how to get their contact info and it's accurate, and if you can send them a, a quick message that's, you know, I, I try to keep it to about three sentences of, or 50 words. 50 words is kind of the, the working model. I can say, hey, a lot of people we know are dealing with this challenge or problem or trying to accomplish this goal. We help them do X, Y, Z to do that. Do you want to talk through for a few minutes or see a demo of how we help? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a calendar link in there. Um, And that goes really well. And then you find different ways to
0: scale it, you know, maybe it's, go ahead. I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about SEO. Like, so as an agency, right, like we, we mainly focus on paid acquisition. So a lot of inbound, we, we've never really done any sort of SEO. Like that's not our, bread and butter. So we don't even offer it as a service. Um, But one of the things I I noticed especially with startups um, like very early stage, right? They're still trying to figure out like who they're going after. Um, They want to like, everybody wants to put out content. I feel like a lot of times they get impatient, right? Like it takes time. Um, And I think they already know that like you, you, like I said, I'm not an SEO expert, so I, like, if I'm wrong here, like, correct me. But it usually takes, I would say, anything from like three six months to really start seeing some sort of substantial lift on any traffic that's coming from purely, you know, like SEO performance. How do you keep yourself from okay? Let's stop this right now because it's not doing anything.
1: It's either. You're in charge and you have a belief in it, so you want to keep going and you, you kind of know what the expectation should be or you're not in charge, but you have that belief and you have to fight for it. Um, so that, I remember we had a lot of conversations back and forth on how much of the content should be educational versus selling. And really, if you're doing, if you're creating content right, one, it's not just a 500 word blog post on what you do or how you can add value. It's a, it's a meaty, it's a rich piece of, of content answering your question showing how you solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And so for instance, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend putting out content entirely on um, you know, five ways text requests makes your life better, but I right. would recommend putting out content on on a guide to um, here's how to here's how to communicate effectively with your customers. Like complimentary text stuff, text. right? Well, it's more of it's more of thinking like the customer is who is who you are creating content for and about. Not it shouldn't be about yourself, right? Um, and so if I'm just talking about text requests the whole time, I'm doing a disservice. I, no one cares. No, no one cares about me. Um, mm-hmm. You know the customers. they're everyone's the hero of their own story, so they really care about solving their own problems. Give me something to help me. You know, connect with my customers better. Give me something it's to get a response. Yeah. Um, is there people want to learn? They don't want to be sold to. Is another piece, but yeah, go
0: mm-hmm. ahead. What does the, I guess, blog strategy, article strategy look like? Is it like you put out a ton of you know top of the funnel, right? Like very broad stuff, like you said. Like it doesn't have to do. It has nothing to do with with text requests, right? And then you start adding more content that does that way. They started looking into it a little bit more. Uh, but what would you say is the ratio between those two?
1: I mean, yeah, that's that's great, and it's it's evolved over time as our market has heated up. So in the beginning, it's exactly like we were ta- what you were talking about, and it would be somewhere between a three to one and a five to one ratio, mm-hmm. more educational top level versus uh, more of a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, the the volume of search for what we offer, particularly for us, and I. I mean, if you're in a warm market, this is going to apply more to you. But it's almost entirely bottom of funnel. It's not necessarily here's exactly why to use text request over someone else or some other option, but it's here are text message templates to accomplish X. It's, right. Here's how to generate more leads through text messaging. It's 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 content like that people that people are actively searching for, um, but becomes very sales focused because by the time you get through it. It's like, well, okay. If you want to do anything you just read about, you have to take a next step.
0: Right. That's where that's where you get them.
1: Um, I'll get us back cool. real quick. You talked about a, a timeline, people. Three to, you mentioned like three to six months or something. You know, how do you how do you keep that going and not burn out? I would, for SEO in particular, if you're doing it right, it'll be about six months before you start to see anything you care about. Any kind of you should see an upward trend. All along the way, but about six months before right. I see anything really any traction, um, but then I would give it a year from starting before you really say whether or not it's working and for us that's i mean that's the typical recommendation for us. It was about eight months before we saw okay this is like this is going to go somewhere. We really need to invest right. more in this
0: so so what do you do if You're eight months in, and you realize, okay, we've been wasting our time, like, for eight months. Not not saying that was the case, right? Because it, it sounds like it wasn't, but like for people that yeah, what
1: if you're in that are,
0: right? What if you are in that position?
1: I mean, you you bite your lip and you say, okay, we we made a mistake. We got to find something else now. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the everyone's in entrepreneurship their favorite word pivot you got to pivot at that point exactly
0: okay would you say that like so a, a lot of the process right when you're again early stage you're you're trying to get some traction mvp and etc you're trying to realize who the target audience is do you create in, in this you know like content specific conversation we're having right now do you create a ton of pieces that just go after different segments or like different verticals or are you focusing on like one and then if that doesn't work then you go to the other one and stuff like that
1: i have an opinion but i'll tell you what we did first which is not what i would recommend um what we did to start with was we well we didn't have honestly when we started creating content we didn't have a firm grasp of who our customer was or who our ideal customer was or their persona and so we created things more around a topic. So it was okay if you are interested in customer service, we'll create stuff around a, a topic there. So more of a profession than a personality.
0: So everybody essentially could go and take a look at it.
1: Yeah, and we. So we started. It's been an ongoing. All I, right, this is an ongoing thing for a lot of people, but you know, we try to be something to everyone. And you're not going to do very well if you're trying to be something to everyone. I mean, the old cliche is true. You need to be really valuable to a few people. And so over time, we changed it up to where we were more industry-focused. So we would create content specifically for folks in the HVAC industry or specifically for recruiters or you name it. I mean, we work with 100 different industries now. So there were plenty of opportunities and it worked well enough for us. And now what I would recommend is um, focus on on real customer conversations. I mean, especially if most of the people listening to this are are founders, you know, entrepreneurs or in the Mm -hmm. C-suite. You need to be having customer conversations as often as you can because it's going to lead to a better business in general, but it also makes it really easy to create content around specific personas because you could just Take someone you've recently talked to. You could just say, "Okay, Mark, I'm just going to write this like I'm talking to Mark and answer the questions he had." Yeah, and I'm going to like that out there, and that's going to be
0: really effective. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that a lot. What else? Like, so we talked about something that worked, right? Like, what was something that hasn't been successful?
1: Well, there's a lot of things too that were not successful or pretty. We had pretty poor results from the first time or a few that we tried them, um, but now are really effective. So something in general I would recommend when bootstrapping is if you try something once and it doesn't work, table it for later. It might work right. when you're at a different stage of your company. Mm-hmm. One of those being trade shows. We spent a lot of money to go to trade shows. They weren't very effective for us. I mean, you know, you have some good conversations, you get a, a couple customers, but um, uh, often, I mean between the trade show materials or the the booth setup and paying for sponsors yada 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 um it's pretty easy to to drop 5 or 10 grand on a trade show and in SAS you you I mean you better know what your cost per acquisition is going to be per customer your lifetime value in order to make up for that right so right. Uh, we it, we serve more enterprise now but primarily then uh, very small business and so you know when you're selling software for 50 bucks a month um grand for a show doesn't make sense but these days it's it's one of the best ways that we can get in front of targeted partners and some of those larger companies because they're so busy all the time doing everything else that you have to get that face-to-face time right that was gonna
0: be my question um because i feel like when i don't know if this is what everybody thinks like maybe it's just my opinion but i think that when you're talking about trade shows like you're definitely dealing with like you at least maybe you're not but you want to be dealing with like big annual contracts compared to you know oh let's just do a month-to-month thing here for like you said like fifty dollars a month is like it's not gonna work um I'm sure it has for some people um it, and I think that's where the like very niche comes into play but i I think you hit the nail on the head on that right? like unless you're like really, really know who you're going after and the right person is there for you to meet, make an introduction, make a good impression on the company. Maybe it's, you know, something to stay away from. Um, I don't think I've had a lot of people say that that's been one of their tactics, um, which is interesting. Um, why did you guys first try it?
1: I think we, I, I think it's because it was, a concept we were already familiar with uh well it, there's a few pieces that go into it one concept we were already familiar with because of the team we had and the kind of businesses we'd been a part of before and the kind of work we'd done um seemed an obvious choice to try it among other things but it was also something where we knew we could get in front of 500 we could have 500 customer conversations in a weekend or on an average tuesday and we would learn a lot and, and so something that was kind of a mistake that we made that now is just part of our process is we would go to these much larger shows to see if it was going to be a good industry or a good fit for us. You know, whenever we were trying to find that product market fit. Now we have a good product market fit. We know our personas, we know who's going to succeed, who's not going to do so well, but there are still new industries or new niches that we come across and we found that regional Shows or even just a, like Chattanooga might have a show for some random, you know, industry, or Knoxville might just up the road. And those are only going to be a few hundred dollars, mm-hmm. particularly as you grow. You're more willing to make bets, you kind of have to make bigger bets to, you know, yeah. get bigger payoffs. Um, but then also it's a pretty low risk spend in general. If you can spend, you know, call it $500, talk to. 40 or 50 people in a day or two. I mean, that's that's really valuable in general. And then you can see, okay, is this somewhere where we could get traction? And then if you get one customer from it, it your costs are covered. Um, so you don't right. need anything big. So I do recommend small regional shows. Avoid, I see so many, I, I'm not saying your listeners would do this, but I see so many entrepreneurs, particularly first-time founders who just get starry-eyed, like, oh, we're this amazing startup and maybe you are Um, they think we're amazing we're creating a revolution let's go to these large conferences and really show off and what they do is they just waste a lot of money
0: Mm -hmm. so do the opposite of that start small baby steps Mm -hmm. very cool I, i you brought up bets and i like that a lot um what's the craziest bet that you guys have taken on Uh it's very
1: it's very industry specific, but everyone will be familiar with it was jumping into the political texting space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So everyone it's funny now because whenever we got it, we got into a January of last year. So like right as things were, were starting to heat up, or that's when we pushed yeah. our peer to peer product. Beforehand, we were just all um, you know, business to consumer or business to customer conversations and updates basically or promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge bet we put a ton of our internal resources to it so time and and dollars um, really invested in that one industry it did pay off very big as anyone who was in america this past year knows we all got a hundred messages each yeah Um, and there's some pieces there like there's some things that definitely should have been done better but in general like You know texting for for get out the vote efforts or for raising funds works and as long as people there are some bad players but as long as people are being compliant and being respectful um you know if you get more people involved in democracy that's a great thing anyway that was a huge bet we sunk a ton of resources into it but it did pay off for us um another huge bet has been google ads which this goes back to asking about things we tried that didn't work the first five or six times we tried Google ads. It didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can you know use why. traffic. Yeah, a few things. One, um, we didn't know entirely what we were doing. So Google ads is really set up. Google in general is really set up to get you to, to spend more without giving you anything in return. Yeah. Facebook's the same way. So so there's some of that that you have to, to learn through and thankfully or wait through. And thankfully we have a, a good, well, actually he's best friends with our, marketing coordinator, which is really convenient, but um, I had a referral someone who was a, an expert in PPC that could really help us out and point us in the right direction and kind of coach us along. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really helpful. But there were other things like our website was not good. Oh, nice. it, it didn't answer. Yeah. Well, it, it, Things like it, it wasn't quick enough. It didn't answer questions, the right questions that people have whenever they were coming in um, or the keywords we were targeting were super expensive so i mean uh mm-hmm. you know targeting business text messaging back then because we weren't set up properly would cost us 40 bucks
0: a click yeah that's you a lot know?
1: yeah i mean you can't spend 40 bucks a click and and sell software for 50 bucks and and make that up unless you're se-
0: unless you're selling these uh politic uh, contracts it's not gonna pay off <laughs> it it did yes that is true <laughs> that's funny um if you could go back to like one year into the company, what would you have done differently?
1: I love this question. There's a, just as an aside, a lot of times whenever we're talking internally or like me and the, the three founders, um, we, we talk about, man, if we had just known then what we know now, we would have you know hit whatever goal in half the time. And then anyway, it's just a fun internal thing. Um I would have in general there's a lot we would have said no to. We wouldn't have tried as many things to try to figure out what worked obviously we would have already known um I think we would have doubled down on organic and website optimization in general, so not just you know having the right keywords on there, but really building out a website that makes you look like an expert mm-hmm. um that answers people que- people's questions, you know, particularly the the big three of um, what do you do? Do you work with other people like me? And what does it cost? Uh, and making that really simple. So I think we would have spent more time and effort there. Um, but there's a lot, too, that just takes time. You know, I mean, there there's some things that we're, we've either recently pushed out or are pushing out soon that have been on our our plan or our roadmap for years among, you know, a million other things. And sometimes it just takes time to get there. So uh, you, we're talking about bootstrapping here, but you, you're, so think of it, your two main resources are time and money. You know, if you don't have a right. lot of money to spend, you have to be willing to spend more time and, and that's fine. It's also the reverse. I mean, if you go VC, the VC route, and you have right. a lot of money, well, okay, that should save you a lot of time. Um, but you need to understand that upfront, right? Like you, you can't say, "Oh, I'm going to have this growth hack," and and then everything's going to be great next week. Actually, that's that's something we would have said no to from the start. It's just anything okay. that says growth hack, yeah. Any anything related to the term growth hack, I'm just going to ignore that.
0: Throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I feel like for a little bit growth hacks had a very good connotation and it just completely switched in the last couple years um, and i find that very interesting it's kind of like if you're familiar with gary vaynerchuk which you probably are right like he was the big thing i mean he's still like i don't know i don't follow him a ton um but he was you know like this huge thing and now everybody's all uh against like hustle porn and all these different things that he kind of is like the epitome of uh i see that very similarly to like what's happened with growth hacking and i think it's interesting um bit of a tangent i think
1: think what's what started there because i'm on the same boat with all of that I, i think there's like one you know for the hustle doctrine it's kind of okay that's that's helpful but you have to also take care of yourself or you won't be able to work extra Right. Um, I often say people talk about startups, I'm like, oh, do you, you know, do you enjoy not being like a regular employee? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, if you want to get out of the nine to five, you have to be willing to work a lot of eight to eights. And, and that's yeah. kind of the concept. You do have to do more to create other opportunities. Um, but then the, the growth hack thing I think is interesting, too, because it started at, as a way of saying, what is something you can do that will scale on its own or will grow exponentially on its own? Right. And somehow it evolved into what are these little tools and or like what are these little tricks you can do to kind of game the yeah. system?
0: What's the and next and tool to like scrape leads?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, or what's like you know uh, we've all seen this. You know, hey, join my webinar on Facebook ads. I'll show you how I made fifty million by spending one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. And it's yeah, you know, some garbage pre-recorded thing that they mm-hmm. loop you into that offers no value to anyone. Um, I'll stop there.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. What is, we'll, we'll switch the gear here. We've got a couple minutes left, but uh, a couple more like personal questions that are fun. What is your favorite movie? Probably
1: Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Why is that? The one, the dialogue between uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Is unbeatable. Uh, That dynamic is great. I still, I I watch it probably twice a month, and uh, it still cracks me up. That's a piece of it. But then, I mean, you you have that many legends in one film, and if the writing is good and the directing is good, which it is in this case, you're not going to go wrong.
0: Yeah, that's a good. It's also a remake, so they knew it was going to (laughs) work. What about um, any hobbies that you that you have?
1: Um, I'm not too exciting. I do play a lot of guitar, I do read a lot of books. Um, mm-hmm. my wife and I, well, Chattanooga is a great outdoor city, so we spend as much time outdoors as we can during the winters. It's more movies and, and cards, but yeah, uh, yeah,
0: that's that's me. That's cool. I love reading too. What's your favorite book so far? I feel like that changes. Yeah, well, I'll
1: favorite is tough, but the ones I recommend the most are, um. One is boundaries. That's probably the top one. And I, hmm. it's oh, it's doctors Cloud and Townsend. I forget their first names. Um, there's that one. I recommend a, a lot of Malcolm Gladwell, Talking to Strangers, which oh is most recent.
0: That's one of my favorite favorite authors.
1: Love him. Um, a huge fan. He's he's who he really got me into writing was reading his and saying okay. Every time I read a paragraph of his or read a page of his, no matter how tired I am, I want to read the next paragraph how do I make other people do the same whenever I write? So there's that, um, grit by Angela Duckworth is another one I recommend all the time. I only read that one last year, the year before. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah,
0: those are up there. That's awesome. Yeah. I just remember that, uh, you mentioned you had that psychology background. So I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna email you and, and ask you, you know, pick your brains a little bit. Cause I'm i I'm a big fan of that stuff too. I really like it. Um, so definitely ask you for like some recommendations on books, but Kenneth, yeah, sure. thank you so much it. for the time. It was a pleasure having you here. And uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Really appreciate it as well. Where can people find you online?
1: Uh, easiest way is connect with me on Twitter. I'm at KennethBurke423. My DMs are open. Ask me anything. Um, but then, you know, LinkedIn, Kenneth Burke as well. You can connect with us at text request. Go to textrequest.com or most of our handles are, you know, at text request.
0: So, yeah. Great. Thank you so much for everyone that's watching, listening. Um, Make sure you like, subscribe, give us a rating if you liked the episode. And don't forget to check out Kenneth and text request. Thank you so much again, and we'll catch you soon. Take care.